Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Data Blitz podcast. Uh, this is a preview of the Week 11 Dynasty and a recap of Week 10 Dynasty. Um, so we're going to go over some of the news from the week. Um, we're additionally going to go over the rookie risers and fallers, and then also just the overall risers and fallers from the week, um, mostly in terms of just straight-up value um, in trades and other things like that. Um. So I only have a couple points here for the recap for the week. And those points are first, uh, Mac Jones being benched does feel like it has some weight in dynasty circles. Um, I think the only value that it really impacts going forward uh, from kind of this point on is just Mac Jones's value um, is kind of tanking. We all kind of expected this towards the end of last year, so it's really not that different, but there is a good chance that he doesn't get another starting job. Uh, it did feel like it was a statement benching. It would have been very easy for them to leave him in um, for the last drive of the game, uh, but Bailey Zappi comes in, and they're potentially just going to go all in on the tank with Bailey Zappi, uh, and Bailey Zappi would likely be the backup to whatever quarterback they draft this upcoming year. Um the writing's been on the wall for a little bit for Mac Jones, uh, honestly more than a little bit. I'm surprised they kept him in for so long, but Zappi wasn't a great backup. Uh, he did have some flashes last year, um, but it just feels like they're not committing to him. Uh, they're going to go full in on the rebuild, and it, it's negatively impacting his value. Um, in terms of everybody else on the team, um, their value honestly maybe takes a jump because you know that the Patriots aren't going to be sticking with Mac Jones going forward this year, obviously uh, negative for them. But if they do bring in someone like Drake may uh, Caleb Williams or uh, Michael Penix, um, there's a chance that their value does rise from that. I'm talking about like Juju uh, Kendrick Bourne, um, and then, you know, Ramondre Stevenson, maybe Hunter Henry, or Mike Gusecki as well. Um, so I think those guys are overall going to see a rise in value, assuming that the Patriots draft a quarterback or find one in free agency. Um, and if they don't go that way, I'm not sure what they're going to do. They're probably going to pull an Arizona Cardinals Josh Dobbs situation um, with, you know, Malik Cunningham or uh, Bailey Zappi. Um, the other point that I have here is the Bills fire, uh, their offensive coordinator today. Um, you know, the Bills offense has been pretty off and on all season long. And I don't know, um, who this really impacts yet. I'd, I'd be willing to lean into this next week's games a lot, um, for them. I think the Bills, you know, we're going to see maybe some running back utilization switch up. We've seen James Cook fumble quite a few times. Um, but besides that, I don't know what it means. Maybe take a peek at target shares and snap percentage slash route run percentage of Dalton Kincaid and Stefan Diggs slash uh, Gabe Davis and see if that uh, really changes in the upcoming week. I don't think it will, though. I think Dalton Kincaid's pretty set in stone there. Uh, obviously, Stefan Diggs is Stefan Diggs. Um, and Gabe Davis, maybe he goes up a little bit, maybe he goes down. Um, that's kind of the guy to keep an eye on in terms of value flux. But 
I don't think there's much change there. The only guy I'm a little bit worried about is James Cook. Um, so that kind of concludes the intro section where I just cover the highlights from the past week and some news that came out uh, over the past couple of days. Um, so then I can jump over into the rookie risers and fallers section. Um, so our first rookie riser here has been in this spot plenty of times. Um, this is honestly more of a real life riser um, and just kind of establishing his role. Um, it's going to be CJ Stroud. Uh, so CJ Stroud, obviously, you know, he threw the pick at the end of the fourth quarter on Sunday, but he was able to bring the Texans back on a game winning drive um, against Joe Burrow and the Bengals. And everybody thought the Burrow and the Bengals were going to do that to them. Um, but that wasn't the case, and C.J. Stroud was able to come away with a great game. Um, he finished with 356 passing yards on 39 attempts uh, for 59% completion with one touchdown, one interception, and that landed him at 20 points. Uh, additionally, he had a rushing touchdown, which is huge. Um, I think C.J. Stroud just is the guy in Texas. I, I for the Texans, there are two Texas teams. Um, I know that it's been pretty clear for a long time now, but CJ Stroud really is pushing the Texans into playoff picture. Um, right now, they'd be the seventh seed, so that's pretty awesome for them. Um, I think you know CJ Stroud going forward is is awesome. Um, I don't know. You know, the question then comes to how much help is he going to get this offseason from receivers? Uh, they don't have their own pick. They have the Browns pick, um, who just beat the Ravens on Sunday. So I don't know if this really impacts that either. Uh, that would be the one kind of perspective to take on this. That would be a negative towards CJ. But even then, they don't have that pick. They traded away to draft uh, Anderson. So CJ Stroud, definitely a big riser this week. Uh, Going to continue to rise. We'll probably be in. I mean, we got eight more weeks left in the regular season. I think CJ Stroud will probably be back in here six more times. Um, he's just that good. And, you know, his value continues to go up. Uh, right now on Keep Trade Cut, he is quarterback five ahead of Justin Herbert and Lamar Jackson. So then we jump over to the receiver position. Um, I think there's a few arguments to be made here. I'm going to make the argument for Jaden Reed. Um, Jaden Reed was on my followers a few weeks ago when Christian Watson came back. It seemed like his targets uh, and his route rate were dropping. Um, this past week, he had five targets, five receptions, and a touchdown uh, for 84 yards. And the week before, three targets, three receptions, uh, only for 19. But he seems like he's taking a step in the right direction, uh, is kind of becoming one of the main focal points of the Green Bay Packers offense. And I'm interested to see his utilization going forward in comparison to Christian Watson. Uh, Christian Watson will be talked about later in this episode. Um, but I think Christian Watson is definitely taking a hit. Uh, seems like a guy that, I mean, I know he's a guy that can't beat zone defense. He's one of the worst receivers against zone defense. Man to man, he can outrun you, but he's not a very physical receiver. Jaden Reed feels like that guy that can get open, is a little bit more physical, and he 
can sense when his quarterback is in trouble and comes and helps him. And that's huge for Jordan Love right now because he's been in trouble a lot. Um, on to the next guy here. I have Jameer Gibbs for the running back riser of the week uh, from that rookie spot. Um, Jameer Gibbs, you know, he's really proven himself in the past few weeks, but what really shined this week is his utilization with Dave Montgomery back. Um, Dave Montgomery had been out for a few weeks before, uh, and that's kind of when he picked up, uh, especially in that game against Baltimore, when he had 10 targets and nine receptions and finished with 126 total yards and a touchdown. Then he went into Las Vegas um, the next week, five targets, five receptions, uh, 26 carries, 189 yards, and a touchdown. Good for the wide receiver one on the week. And then this past week, uh, with Dave Montgomery back, 14 rushing attempts, a little bit down from that Vegas game, um, but still good for his third highest on the season. And then he still had five targets, three receptions, 112 total yards, and two touchdowns. Given it was kind of a shootout, so some of those you know points and touchdowns against the Chargers defense should be taken with a grain of salt, but I still think he had ni- he had 19 opportunities to touch the ball, uh, converted that into 17 opportunities with the ball, and had 112 yards. You know, it feels like he's being pretty efficient with the uh, opportunities he's getting, and. Gibbs is a guy looking forward that I'm comfortable having inside of my top five running backs in Dynasty. Um, he, he took a little bit of hit of value early in the season, um, but since week four, he's been over 110 yards with a touchdown every single week. I'd look for a little bit of a fall, up, fall off in the coming weeks, um, but they are going against Chicago next week, and it feels like uh, Chicago is one of those teams that is going to let Jameer Gibbs feast. Um, and then we can jump over into the tight end position. Um, I have two guys here. One of them is the obvious pick. One of them is a little less obvious. Um, so we have Aiden O'Connell and Michael Mayer. Um, Michael Mayer has been... Pretty good so far this season. Um, I know he kind of called him out for a fake breakout, but he's really shined um, with Aiden O'Connell. Um, Aiden O'Connell has played weeks four, seven, nine, and ten, and in those weeks, Michael Mayer has no targets in week four. In week seven, he had four, nine, two, and ten, five. Um, he, those are some of his higher totals for the season, believe it or not. Um, his only game above this past five target game, or his only, you know, amount of targets before this past five target game, uh, was week six against New England. He had six targets, um, and that was kind of the fake breakout that I called out. I still am a little concerned about his overall volume. But if you're going to look at a guy that was kind of slated as the tight end three of the class coming in um, from a dynasty perspective, um, you're probably pretty happy with this result. I know tight ends take a long time to get off the ground, uh, especially the tight ends that are asked to do more blocking like Michael Mayer. Um, And 
Aiden O'Connell did look his way this past week, and he's looked his way a little bit in the, the weeks prior. Um, I think he's a top 15 tight end right now from a dynasty perspective. He's probably number 12. Um, but, you know, overall rest of season, probably top 15. He is reliant on Aiden O'Connell going forward, um, and Aiden O'Connell hasn't been great. Uh, which is a part of the issue. Um, but, you know, he's not attempting that many passes, and there's a chance that Aiden O'Connell does get more uh, leeway going forward in the season. Um, so I looked at that. Um, if Aiden O'Connell can bump his attempts per game up close to 35, I would say that Michael Mayer kind of falls back into that top 10 tight end range um, when he's getting, you know, pretty high target share of, you know, 20-ish percent in some of these games. And then the last guy here uh, from the tight end perspective is Dalton Kincaid. Uh, Dalton Kincaid has continued to impress. I've had him in my daily fantasy lineups week after week, um, and he has not hurt me once. Um, Ever since that injury, to I'm drawing a blank on his name. I'll, I'll think of it in a second. Um, Michael Mayer, or ooh, Dalton Kincaid, uh, has had eight targets, seven targets, 11 targets, and six targets. Um, and then in terms of yards, 75, 65, 81, and 51. So his past game was his worst game in terms of yards and targets since the injury to Dawson Knox. There we go. Um, but... He has scored touchdowns in two of those four weeks, um, and his lowest points total has been 15.5, good for the tight end six on that week. Um, This is a guy that is running you uh, not as much as the top tight ends in daily fantasy uh, perspectives. Um, And then, you know, from a dynasty perspective, he's tied to Josh Allen uh, for the next five years because he's a rookie uh, first round pick and he should really have some great opportunity this upcoming week against the Jets. Um, Again, we talked about the Bills firing their offensive coordinator. We're going to see how that impacts him. I don't think it will. Um, If anything, they'll probably end up giving Dalton Kincaid more opportunity and more targets uh, even if and when Dawson Knox comes back. Um, but definitely really impressed with what I've seen so far from him on the season and in the past four weeks. From there, we can jump right over into the next part of this section, which is the rookie fallers. Uh, This week, there really weren't a ton of guys who took big hits in value. Um, So I I just have a couple that I want to mention. The first guy is Josh Downs. Uh, I've been high on Josh Downs. You know, he had a three-game stretch where he had Eight targets, six targets, and nine targets. Uh, actually, four games the week before then, he had six targets and was averaging 60 to 80 yards per game. Um, and that was right when Minshew took over. In the past two weeks, Josh Downs has gotten one target and then three targets. Uh, in that one target game, he ran routes at an 18.5% rate. Um, and I believe this past week was sub 50 as well. Um, I don't really know what's going on with Josh Downs. Uh, I thought he and Minshew had a really good rapport. 
Um, but it seems like Michael Pittman has really taken over that alpha role. He's been the more consistent receiver um, and the better value. He's really established himself into the wide receiver one role. Um, and he's like wide receiver 12 in points per game um, in PPR. So I think Josh Downs might not be as reliable as we want him to be. He could be a boom bust option, uh, especially coming out of the slot. Um, and I, I would be down to include him in some of my DFS plays, uh, really depending on the matchup. So not a true lock-in start. Um, I know that there were talks a couple weeks ago of, you know, would you rather have Josh Downs or Trey Flowers? Zay Flowers, sorry. Um, and it was a real question because their stats were nearly identical at the time um, and with Josh Downs being the better value. But, you know, as Zay Flowers has gone a little bit up in value, Josh Downs has gone a little bit down or a lot down from the looks of the stats. Um, and I think, you know, he's a guy that definitely took a big hit in value this week. Um, from there, we can jump over to the other guy that I have. Uh, so it's just two for the followers this week. Um, that's going to be Will Levis. So Will Levis has started three games, or started two, uh, took over in one. In the one game he took over, he had four touchdowns on 29 attempts for 238 yards. Uh, was really incredible finding DeAndre Hopkins three times in the end zone. And then the past two weeks happened. Um, I wasn't that concerned when he didn't show out uh like I thought he would against Pittsburgh uh, with 262 yards, um, one interception on 56% completion. But this past week against Tampa Bay, the same defense that C.J. Stroud just lit up, um, he had 199 yards, an interception on 39 attempts. Um, 48.7% completion percentage is staring me in the face right now. I'm... Definitely not a huge fan of Levis going forward. I don't, I, you really can't say it's a supporting cast. I mean, Traylon Burks is in theory good. Um, and then you have DeAndre Hopkins, who's good. And then you also have Chig, who's supposed to be good. Um, and, and Tajay Spears. So I don't know what's going on with Will Levis. You know, maybe he pulls it together in the next coming weeks. It is his first and second start ever that he's been struggling in. But uh, just not what you want to see from the guy that threw four touchdowns in his first uh, appearance. And that gives me some pause on his value going forward, um, especially when I think there's still a little bit of hype around him from what he did. Uh, but it just feels, you know, like he's taken a big hit in value uh, based off of these past two weeks. All right. Um so the next section here is the overall risers and followers of the week. This is the point where we break away from the rookies and we just kind of cover everyone else. Um, I think I've included rookies here before, um, but just in general, it's it's focused on other guys um, that have accrued or lost value. So for the first guy this week, I have C.D. Lamb as our biggest riser. Um, I think CeeDee Lamb has officially entered that Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson tier of wide receivers. Um, he just posted three games with 150 yards 
in a row or more. Uh, he had 191 against Philadelphia. I think he was the wide receiver one, then the wide receiver two, and then either the two or the one behind Keenan Allen this past week. Um, so he's really, I don't know, popped off um, with Dak Prescott um, against the Rams, the Eagles, and the Giants. Uh, at least one of those teams is good. So I think this actually counts for something. He's gotten 14, 16, and 14 targets. He's definitely the primary uh, receiver on that team. I mean, I don't even know how to sell C.D. Lamb here. It's like C.D. Lamb is the guy. C.D. Lamb is going to continue to be the guy. Um, C.D. Lamb is 24 and a half years old and is putting up crazy numbers similar to A.J. Brown's streak this year. Um, I don't know. Uh, I'd rather have C.D. than Jamar Chase right now. Would I... I think so. Um, he's definitely proven to be a great receiver. Um, it seems like there's a lot of trust in him in that Dallas offense. And, uh, you know, I would just go and try to get CD if you can for, I don't know, you might be able to trade somebody like AJ Brown for him. Uh, maybe Jalen Waddle in a second. I know Jalen Waddle has been underperforming, but his value is still pretty high. Uh, Tyreek Hill. You know, there's a bunch of guys that are around CD's value, but CD's uh, 24 and a half, you know, really great talent, always has been uh, wide receiver one out of that class, unless you, for some reason, count Henry Ruggs. Uh, but everybody knew that Henry Ruggs wasn't actually going to be good. So um, I would, yeah, CD Lamb really really rose in value over the past three weeks um, and should continue to have some good games. Uh, this next week, they're up against Carolina. So I would expect, you know, based off of what we've seen the past three weeks, I would expect CD to do it again. Um, the Cardinal or the Carolina Panthers are the 19th defense in terms of wide receiver points allowed. So bottom half of the league, not crazy bad. Don't think it'll be much of a shootout. I think Bryce Young is going to really struggle against the Dallas defense, but um, CD should get plenty of opportunity. Next guy we have here um, is a guy that's found himself in this position quite a few times this season as well. Um, honestly, I should stop including him because it's pretty obvious that he's their franchise quarterback now, but it's Sam Howell. Uh, Sam Howell, you know, Seattle defense was at like the top, second. It was second in the rankings of defenses this week in DFS. Um, I don't know why, because Sam Howell has been incredible. And I told people to fade that defense. Sam Howell goes and throws for 312 yards, three touchdowns. Um, you know, he's been doing it on pretty good efficiency, both in terms of yards per attempt and completion percentage. Um, he's been up over seven yards per attempt the past three weeks, which is pretty good. Um, and around 65, 66% completion, um, which is pretty much his average for the season. So I think Sam Howell's awesome. Um, it does seem like a lot of his uh, targets are going towards running backs, especially this past week. Like I look at the box score sometimes and I'm like, where did the, volume goes how did Sam Howell get 300 yards um 
as you'll see, Jahan Dotson and Terry McLaurin have like mediocre days with 50 yards apiece or something like that. And then Brian Robinson had over 100 yards receiving, I believe. Um, so that actually segues us into the next guy. Uh, but to conclude that point, Sam Howell, uh, definitely the franchise quarterback, at least for, you know, they're going to give him like a year or two. And if you have Sam Howell, you're very happy with that result. So big riser. Next guy here is Brian Robinson, who is the running back six on the year. Apparently, Uh, that's crazy. Brian Robinson has been pretty involved in the passing game. Uh, His best involvement was this past week where he had six targets, six receptions. Um and 157 total yards. Uh, That's alongside his eight carries and a touchdown. Um, Brian Robinson's definitely the running back one in Washington over Jameer Jameer Gibbs. Antonio Gibson. Uh, I want Antonio Gibson to be Jameer Gibbs, but it's never going to happen. So I think he's really established himself in that role. There was a lot of hype around him. Um, at different points in his career. And it seems like that's all starting to come to fruition. So I think Brian Robinson is, you know, probably a top 15 dynasty back going forward. I wouldn't quite get him into that top 10, but I think he's pretty comfortably at like the 14 spot. Um, So Brian Robinson's definitely a guy to keep your eye on going forward um, as Antonio Gibson probably gets faded out. Next guy I have here uh, as a riser is Javante Williams. Javante Williams has kind of resurfaced in the past couple weeks. I think I had him as a riser two weeks ago. Um, Maybe even more than that. But he has started to become kind of the bell cow running back in the Broncos offense, which is seeing an uptick in you know points scored and just overall efficiency because they're using him the correct way. Um, this past week, 21 carries, uh, four targets, four receptions, 110 yards, and a touchdown against the Bills. And the week before that, 27 carries, um, Three targets, three receptions, 98 yards total, and a touchdown against the Chiefs. Um, I'm pretty excited to see this. I think Javante Williams has been a great add for a couple of my teams, and I think he's a guy that definitely has a lot of value, had a lot of value, but, you know, tore his ACL, came back, wasn't crazy efficient. Still wasn't bad, but wasn't crazy efficient for the first, you know, five weeks of the season. Week five was their bye, so I guess six weeks of the season, their first five games. Um, But he has really started to both get the volume and show efficiency on those carries these past three weeks. So I'm a huge fan of him going forward. I think the overall Denver Broncos offense is seeing a big rise in value uh, between Cortland Sutton, Russell Wilson, um, and Javante Williams. So just excited that he's getting his opportunity. 
And the next guy here that I have is Rashad White, the running back six or eight on the season. Um, he's been pretty incredible. Um, I think he had like a 40-yard receiving touchdown this past week. But it just seems like he's getting more and more volume, especially in terms of rushing the ball. He's stayed relevant in the passing game uh, with his lowest target game coming in week one with two. And he's had a few three games and four, seven. Um, He's kind of all over the place in targets, but always involved, which is something that you want to see out of your running backs. Um, As we know, the Buccaneers offense has been better than expected. Seems like Rashad White is a big proponent of that. Um, I don't know if I used that correctly, whatever. (laughs) Um, He's been propelling their offense to kind of new levels. I know they haven't been great the past few weeks, but he has been. Um, So I'm a big fan of Rashad White. And I think that he's potentially the starting running back there next year. I know that's like, how are you a big fan of him? And he's potentially the starting running back there next year. I just feel like a lot of the times teams get in the situation that the Bucks are in right now, where they kind of need that offensive jump and they use that early draft capital on a running back. I know that this upcoming draft class doesn't have any of those guys. So that's definitely a good sign for him. Um, and I think he keeps his job for the next year or two. Over there in Tampa Bay. Last guy I have here for the overall risers section is TJ Hawkinson, the tight end one on the 2023 season. Um, TJ Hawkinson has been nothing short of incredible this season. Um, He's done it with Josh Dobbs and he's done it with Kirk Cousins. He's getting tons of targets, especially with Josh Dobbs. This past week, he got 15 for 11 targets, or 15 targets, 11 receptions, 134 yards, touchdown. And the week before, 12 targets, 7 receptions, 69 yards. Um, He's seen a big spike in value, or at least production, um, with Josh Dobbs there. They're just looking his way a ton. Um, And even his bad games, I know. Outside of his, you know, even his worst game on the season in terms of yardage, he still had 24 yards. His second worst game on the season in terms of yardage, he had 35 yards, but was the tight end three with no touchdowns because he had eight receptions. Um, Good for 11 and a half points. So TJ Hawkinson's definitely a volume guy, a guy that they're looking his way a lot in Minnesota and a guy that should continue to get more utilization going forward with Josh Dobbs. Um, It wouldn't be a stretch to call him the the dynasty tight end one. Um, And I might go as far to say that. So TJ Hawkinson, dynasty tight end one. So that concludes our risers of the week. And then we can jump over into fallers um, and then call it an episode. All right. Um, so the first guy I have here as a follower is going to be Jordan Love. Um, I honestly should stop including Jordan Love in this section because Jordan Love just continues to fall week after week, uh, throwing multiple interceptions in some weeks and not really having high completion percentage, not a ton of yards. 
Uh, honestly, this past week wasn't that bad for him, but he did have two interceptions and only finished with 18.7 points. He's not a guy that... You know, the issue with Jordan Love is he, no matter how good he does, except for like week one and week three, where he was the quarterback three and six, he's not putting the team on his shoulders. And so there's a lot of difficulty in him putting out a lot of fantasy points, similar to the argument made against Bryce Young. Um, Even if Bryce Young is the best quarterback that that he can be, he doesn't really have that much rushing upside. And there's not a lot of potential for him to really go nuts. Um, So that's the first issue with Jordan Love. And the second issue with Jordan Love is his job security right now. Um, I don't know if Jordan Love is the starting quarterback for the Packers next year. Honestly, as a Packers fan, I'm kind of rooting against it. Um, I would love to see somebody like Drake May or Caleb Williams come in and just ruin all Bears' hopes of getting one of those guys. That would be ideal. But as of right now, Jordan Love is underperforming in what is technically his rookie year, but like not really because he's played a few games before. He's had plenty of time under Aaron Rodgers. Um, and you should expect better than, I think he's averaging like 58% completion. Um, expect better than 58% completion and interception or two in a lot of these games. Um So I don't know about Jordan Love going forward. I think he definitely took a hit in value because I think people saw that his job security is really up in the air right now. Um, Definitely not in the same place as Mac Jones, but I could see a path where he ends up close to Mac Jones. So for that reason, I'm a little bit concerned. And I think personally, I'm out on Jordan Love as as a dynasty asset. Um, I'd say if you get like a second rounder for him, go and try to do that right now next guy that i have is i wouldn't say he's in a similar boat but there has been a significant amount of underperformance based off his you know his college performance and his expectations as a prospect and that's trevor lawrence um Trevor Lawrence and the Jags have struggled pretty significantly on offense the entire year. Um, Trevor Lawrence's best start, uh, best uh, week as a fantasy quarterback was week one, where he had 18.7 points and was good for the quarterback eight. Um, I think he has enough weapons around him. I don't know really what's going on there in Jacksonville. Um, just feels like they can kind of play the good team or the bad teams. Um, but when they play those better teams like Kansas City, Buffalo, and San Francisco, and even Buffalo is kind of a question mark there because they haven't been as good. Let's call it Houston. They play Kansas City, Houston, and San Francisco. Uh, they struggle pretty heavily. And then so does Trevor Lawrence. Um, he's not the type a similar argument to Jordan Love. He's not the type of guy to do it all himself, um, like a Josh Allen or, you know, maybe a Lamar Jackson. So that limits his ceiling as a fantasy player. And 
they haven't really been doing it at all this season in terms of having a high-volume explosive offense. So for that reason, I think Trevor Lawrence has taken a hit on both future value and current value. Um, I think people are starting to see that there are guys that are better than Trevor Lawrence. And, you know, maybe they're not as safe as Trevor Lawrence, but you might want to have those guys going forward. Um, because it is inevitable that Trevor Lawrence will be a starter for a long time in this league, and he probably will figure it out eventually and be good. But will he be a good fantasy asset at that point? I don't know. Um, so some of the guys that I'd rather have over Trevor Lawrence include Lamar Jackson, CJ Stroud, Justin Herbert, um, Tua. You know, there's a bunch of guys in front of him that, and Tua's in that similar situation where he's not doing it all himself, but he has the weapons and he has the mechanics to get it done. Um, not saying Trevor Lawrence doesn't have the mechanics, but just does feel like it's not clicking. And I'd rather have a guy where it's clicking and he's around the same age compared to the guy where it's not clicking and you don't know if it ever will. Um, okay, enough ripping into Trevor Lawrence there. <laughs> Next guy I have here, and I think these guys have been in here so many times. It's, it's Jordan Love and Christian Watson are the overall value faller stack this week. Um, Christian Watson's not good. Um, it really hurts because he's he's getting targets. He's running routes. And he's losing on zone coverage like every time. He's not a physical receiver. He's not winning at the point of completion. He's just... He can only run away from people. And that's not what you want out of a guy that's 6'5", 208, 6'4", 208. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to do with Christian Watson going forward. I'd say your best bet is to just hold him because he did have a ton of value. And there's a chance that he figures that out this offseason or maybe a little bit sooner. Um, I was saying a couple weeks ago, I, like, I wish the Green Bay buy was a little bit later in the season. I feel like we needed more time to be bad so that we could learn from the time that we were bad and try to improve on it. Um, but Christian Watson's a guy that could really benefit from some time away from the football field and learn to, you know, win at the point of, of catch. I'm, there's a chance that they do well against the chargers this week. Uh, Jordan love and Christian Watson, I would really, really keep an eye on who is that wide receiver one in Green Bay for this season. It does feel like some of those guys have the theoretical talent, uh, Jaden Reed and Jordan Love, or Christian Watson and Romeo Dubs, are good, but one of them needs to kind of differentiate themselves from the pack and become Jordan Love's go-to guy. And I think that could be hurting Jordan Love in a way, and it's kind of hurting the overall Green Bay offense. So if Christian Watson's able to do that, great. You're going to have a guy that's, you know, 6'4", runs, what do you run? A 4'3", 6'40". He's theoretically great, Um, but I haven't seen that yet this season. He had that great streak last year, but... uh, until I see anything like that this season, I'm going to look away from him, and I don't know if he's 
He's definitely not going to make it into any of my daily lineups. And I don't know if he's going to be a viable fantasy asset this year. And then if he gets replaced as that wide receiver one, maybe he's not next year either. Uh, so I know you paid a lot to get Christian Watson, probably two firsts or more, or you drafted him with a, a medium high first, like pick seven or eight. Um, there's a good chance that holding on to him is the best play. But right now he's like the wide receiver 85. I get that he missed a few games with injury, um, but he, do- he doesn't feel right. And he doesn't feel like that alpha wide receiver that you want him to be. The next guy that I have here as a faller is Derrick Henry. Um, it kind of feels like Derrick Henry was ramped up a little in this Titans offense and then ramped back down. Um, this past week, he had 11 carries, one target, one reception. I know Tajay Spears went out and performed a lot better with a lot more work. Um, so I think Derrick Henry, I, I don't know. I thought they were going to trade him at the trade deadline. I thought, you know, maybe he'd get utilized a little bit more. Maybe there's a chance that he goes somewhere next year. Um, but... I don't know. Um, I would just say Derrick Henry is a guy that his value is questionable right now, and he's about to be 30. So I'm not a big fan of him going forward, and I think that he took a big hit this week, this season, and for his entire future. Um, so I'd, I'd stay away from him if you can. Maybe try to offload him for like a second-round pick. You could try to bait a competitor into doing that. Um, but yeah, next guy that I have as a follower and the last guy is Kyle Pitts. Um, I think Kyle Pitts has been in this spot a few times this year. Um, he's getting targets. He's running routes at a high rate. Arthur Smith is theoretically going to use Kyle Pitts, Drake London, and Bijan more. I think Drake London and Bijan are going to be the benefactors. Benefactors? I think they are going to benefit from that. Um, and I think that the switch back to Desmond Ritter when Taylor Heineke went down <clears throat> is going to hurt Kyle Pitts. Maybe Desmond Ritter heard that he doesn't use Kyle Pitts and doesn't use Drake London. Um, himself but like that's not going to fix anything Um, Kyle Pitts is just going to struggle for the foreseeable future on the Falcons offense Um, I don't know what to do with him I'm holding him where I have him um, because where I have him I traded for Kelsey too but I'm hoping maybe in a year or two they have a better quarterback um or Kyle Pitts is able to move somewhere else. But it just feels like this, you know, why would you draft a tight end in the top 10 and then in the top five and then not use him at all? Like, I don't get it. I don't think anybody gets it. Um, But it's something that we're going to have to keep in mind going forward, considering Kyle Pitts' value. It, It just feels like he's stuck in a hole. I don't know. You can't, you can't do anything about it. And he's this theoretically great prospect, and he's great when he, he looks great on the field, and he's always open. But 
He's not getting the ball. Um, and he's not getting a ton of yards. And he's getting like next to no touchdowns. He's just one touchdown this year. So I, I don't know about Kyle Pitts. Um, okay. So on that note, uh, that finishes up everything that we have to go over. Uh, appreciate you for tuning in. If you are on YouTube, like, subscribe, uh, and anywhere else you might listen to the podcast, give it a follow. Again, appreciate it.